Again, thank you for listening. It's Barbara O'Neill on Insomnia. Sleep wasn't a problem before electric lights came along. People went to bed when the sun went down. And if they did anything, you couldn't do much under candlelight, is that right? But insomnia is a huge problem today. And there are a few reasons. So we'll put our resident why here. Why? Why are people having trouble with sleep? Well, Proverbs uh, 14, verse 6 says, Knowledge is easy to him that understands. So what my aim is, is to give you an understanding of sleep. I want to show you what happens when you sleep. And when you understand what happens when you sleep, you begin to... You begin to have a knowledge on the important times to sleep and why. There's a little tiny gland in the base of the brain and it's called the pineal gland. And the pineal gland is about the size of a, maybe a, a, la, a macadamia nut. And it's right in the base of your brain. And the pineal gland releases four hormones every night, but only in certain hours. In the uh, winter time, it's between nine and two. And I think your summertime ends end of October, is that right? We call it daylight saving. So in Australia, I think daylight savings just about begun. And that when daylight savings, so at the moment you're still on summertime, yeah? So at the moment, it's between 10 p.m. and 3 a.m. Why only those times? It has much to do with the moons and the tides. Um, light and dark signals are fed through the optic nerve to a control center in the brain where your body clock is located. And your body clock communicates with the pineal gland. And these are the hormones that are released. One is melatonin. A lot of people have heard of melatonin. Some people that don't sleep very well take melatonin. Well, we naturally release melatonin in that time, and it's called the fix and rejuvenate nighttime hormone. So it is this hormone that probably is mostly responsible for the fix and rejuvenation that's happening in our brain and our body while we sleep. Another hormone is serotonin. That's the mood hormone. So if you want to feel good, go to bed early. What are the kids like if they have a late night? Not, not very happy. <laughs> either, either of the adults. <laughs> Another hormone that's released in these hours from the pineal gland is arginine vasotocin. Those kids are having a ball out there somewhere, yeah? Arginine vasotocin is our natural painkiller. Did you know you have a natural painkiller? When you go to bed in these hours, your natural painkiller is released. But your natural painkiller, when it's used, 
it leaves a waste. And if that waste hasn't been released, then the next night, arginine vasotocin won't be released. So how do we get rid of the how do we get rid of the waste from using our arginine vasotocin? That's exercise. When you exercise in the day, as you perspire, you are letting go of the waste. And that's why exercise is so important to be able to increase your ability to sleep. Ecclesiastes says the sleep of a laboring man is sweet. In other words, when you physically move through the day, you get physical exhaustion at night and you can sleep better. So arginine vasotocin is your natural painkiller and arginine vasotocin puts you into a deep sleep. So the earlier you go to bed, the more likely you are to fall into a deep sleep. The other hormone that's released is epithalamin. And epithalamin is a hormone that increases learning capacity. God designed our brain to be learning new things right up until the day we die. Many people's brains deteriorate because they stop learning new things. We should ever learn new things. I love the story of the 90-year-old man who learned to play the piano and the 92-year-old man that graduated from law school. After hearing the lecture on renewing the mind, a 75-year-old man came up to me and he said, I recently put away my most difficult violin pieces. He said, I'm going home to get them out again. <laughs> so apithalamin increases learning capacity. So to be able to understand and retain the new things that you're learning, we need to go to bed early. You ask any teacher, they can tell the children that had a late night because they just don't get it. <laughs> they don't retain. Epithalamin increases learning capacity and epithalamin slows down aging. Everyone over the age of 25 likes that one. So these are the hormones that are released in these hours every night. But more comes into the equation. And I was reading a book called Why We Sleep by Dr. Matthew Walker. And there's some fascinating research that he quotes in there. And it, this research was first started probably in about the 1950s. And they were doing research on rats because, do you know, they research on rats a lot because their digestive tract and many things are very similar to humans and they live two years so they can see what would happen to a human in say 80 years would happen to a rat in in two years and they found that there were periods of the night where the where the eyes the eyelids are closed but the eyes are active and moving and then there are periods of the of the night where the eyes were still so they put electrodes on the brain and on the eyes and what they found is when when the eyes were active, the brain was active. But when the eyes were still, the brain was a little bit more still. Some of the researchers, even their two-year-old children, they had all white up while they sleep. And, you know, they had lots of volunteers come in. Sometimes they did it on themselves. And they found that across board, the same thing was happening. So what they did was they called the uh, eye moving fast, rapid eye movement time, 
and the eyes moving slowly, non-rapid eye movement time. So let me show you what happens in those times. So in non-rapid eye movement time, they found that in the brain there's a courier surface happening. Now all through the day, everything that happens to us is stored in our hippocampus back here. It's called the short-term storage unit. While we sleep, there's a courier service that takes all of those memories from the day up to the cortex up the top. So that's a courier service happening in non-rapid eye movement time. The other thing that's happening in non-rapid eye movement time is the cleaning system. We just mentioned that, the glymphatic system. So cleanings happen. What they found is that the brain cells seem to shrink up a bit, allowing more fluid between them, and so this cleaning system is happening. So what's cleaned up? Uh, waste from neuronal activity, uh, waste from the combustion of glucose and oxygen in the energy cycles in the cell, but also negative emotions, which we just discussed. And that happens after we make the decision to forgive. So when we forgive, that seems to trigger this glymphatic system to start cleaning up the waste. So these are the two things that happen in non-rapid eye movement time. In rapid eye movement time, this is where dreaming happens. No wonder the eyes are moving fast, the dreaming. Also in rapid eye movement time is a filing system. Now what Dr. Matthew Walker was amazed at in the research that he was doing, and he's an atheist, and this is what he said. He said, it's almost as if sleep has an intelligence. This is an admission from an atheist. And if I was there talking to him, I'd say, of course, mate. <laughs> It has an intelligence. It was designed by God. These incredible things were designed by God to happen at that time in the night. So what's happening with the filing system, remember the courier has brought all the day's memories up to the cortex. And what appears to happen is the dreaming that happens, sorry, just not that, the dreaming that happens, have you noticed things from long ago? things you're thinking about through the day, all sorts of things come out. And it appears that that happens so that the brain knows how to file. He says, the filing is done in order. Isn't that incredible? <laughs> so negative things that happen, there's a negative section. Wonderful things that happen, that, that goes into the wonderful section. And that caused Dr. Matthew Walker to say it's as if Sleep has an intelligence, and of course it does. The intelligence is God. So filing happens in rapid eye movement time. This is where our inventions happen. My father was an inventor, and my brother is an inventor. So I grew up with Dad and Dave, who were, who were both inventors. In fact, every machine that came to our house, Dad and Dave pulled the whole thing apart and pulled it all back together. So I grew up with inventors. But I think it's something we all have in us, and you could almost say it's also creativity, isn't it? Something else happens in rapid eye movement time. 
and that is a consolidation of the things that you learnt through the day. You could say a consolidation or a confirmation of the things you learnt through the day. Dr. Matthew Walker found that these happened in 90 minute intervals. So let's have a look at that. So let's do my favourite, nine to five. So the first 90 minutes is 9pm to 10.30. So from 9pm to 10.30, non-rapid eye movement takes up 80%. and rapid eye movement takes up 20%. So it's in the first part of the night that most of the cleaning happens. So now we've got 10.30 to 12, midnight. So at midnight, 10.30 to midnight, we've got 60% rapid eye movement time and 40% rapid eye movement time. So from 12 to 1.30, it's about 50-50. So 50 rapid eye movement and 50 non-rapid eye movement. But as the night goes on, we have a change. So from 1.30 to 3, to 3 a.m., we've got 40% non-rapid eye movement and 60% rapid eye movement. So from three to five, the last two hours, we've got 20% non-rapid eye movement time and 80% rapid eye movement time. So this is what's happening in the night. Have you found that if you wake at three or four, and then doze back to sleep. When you wake up again, you remember all your dreams. <laughs> that often happens to me because most of your dreaming is happening in the second part of the night. And the cleaning system, most of that's happening in the earlier part of the night. So what happens if someone goes to bed at midnight? Someone goes to bed at midnight, not only have they cut down by almost half their melatonin, serotonin, agonine, vasotocin and epithalamin, but they've also lost some of their cleaning. And what can also happen is they can wake up in the morning and they've still got memory from the day before in their short-term memory unit because there wasn't enough time to get it into the rapid eye movement time. Dr. Matthew Walker and his associates, they, they did a lot of research with this and they got 20 students. And 20 students all learned the same things. And 10 of the students had six hours sleep a night. And 10 of the students had eight hours sleep a night. And they found after three months, the ones on eight hours sleep a night retained almost double what the six hours sleep a night. You see, they lost some of that consolidation that confirmation of the things that they learnt through the day. Now, Dr. Matthew Walker, he was a, he's a professor, and he was asked to write study tips for the university. And so the study tips that he gave for the university are very interesting. 
Number one, he said, sleep with your windows open. Here's the pure air. In fact, these are all the things we just listed. He said, have some sunshine every day. And I discovered that sunshine was the key to recovering from jet lag. When I go out in the sun, when I get into, a, say, America, I find going back to Australia is not as bad because I think I'm going with the revolution of the earth. But coming from America, sorry, coming from Australia to America, whew, it's not easy. But I discovered that if I sat in the sun and I put my head up to the sun with my eyes closed and let the sun's rays go through my eyelids, and then I put my head down after about 30 seconds and open my eyes and just sit outside. Then I sleep the next day. <coughs> Do you remember one of the first things I said was light and dark signals are fed through the optic nerve to a control centre in the brain where your body clock is located. And the body clock communicates with the pineal gland. So sunshine in the day helps us to sleep better at night because it resets that body clock. It's called your circadian rhythm. You've heard of the circadian rhythm? It is reset by sun's rays going through the eyes. Now, I never suggest we look at the sun. Our eyes will tell us not to do that. You could look at it today though, couldn't you? <laughs> it was a funny, hazy ball behind, behind the clouds. But those sun's rays help to reset the circadian rhythm. Dr. Neil Nedley, he found that Oh, he, up to 80% of his depressed people, their circadian rhythm was out. He also found that a lot of his depressed people were going to bed very late. And they were watching movies or playing games or on computer till late. So a couple of things were happening there. Number one, they were missing out on the, on the rest and rejuvenation that God planned us to get every night but they were missing out on the early morning sun. He says that first hour of light in the day, it resets your circadian rhythm. So sunshine's important. Now remember Dr. Matthew Walker, he's writing this article for better study habits, temperance. He was very strong on the dangers of caffeine and refined sugar and how many students are sipping coffee late at night till midnight trying to get their study in. But what Matthew Walker found, they don't retain, they retain almost half as much as the people that stop the stimulants and go to bed early. That's a big difference, huge difference. So your stimulants. put a big no there, no stimulants. And of course four, this is eight hours sleep a night. Eight hours, not negotiable. When I turned 50, I found that I started to have about six hours sleep a night and I felt good. I used to tell people since I turned 50, I, I don't need as much sleep. Once I read this book, well, I very quickly have trained myself back into eight hours. Because that's the danger of the six hour. You feel okay. But it's a great deception. Because all of these things aren't happening. What Dr. Matthew Walker showed 
is that people with Alzheimer's, little amyloid plaques, in every case of, of um, Alzheimer's, they found little, little amyloid plaques, which are like little calcified deposits building up in the prefrontal cortex. Now, when someone's got Alzheimer's, how's their reason, intellect and judgment? It's, it's not there, is it? It's not there. What Matthew Walker found, that when you sleep these hours, your cleaning system prevents the build-up of the amyloid plaques. And the people that have boasted of five hours sleep a night, let's have a look at how their, their latter years are. And remember, God never meant anyone to get Alzheimer's. He meant our mind to be brighter and smarter with age. So eight hours is not negotiable. So the next one is exercise. If you want to sleep good at night, get physically active in the day. If you can't run, try the exercise bike. Try the rebounder, try swimming, but some sort of physical exercise. Remember Ecclesiastes, the sleep of a laboring man is sweet because that man is physically exhausted from his physical exercise. And so many people today are at the computer. They're not doing physical work, they're doing brain work. Yes, the brain does need a rest when it's been working hard, but it needs that physical. Many guests that have been to our program, they buy the little rebound, you know, the little mini trampolines in their office. And everyone in the office does one minute every hour. One minute every hour. Now, you could even do it if you had 60 people in the office, couldn't you? 60 minutes in an hour. Six proper diet. Now what we're going to talk about here is timing. Dr. Matthew Walker, he showed that eating a huge evening meal interfered with sleep. When we sleep at night, our stomach wants to sleep. But when we eat a huge evening meal, then by the time we go to bed, it's usually still all in there and your body has to keep working. It's got to keep working, otherwise that will in that warm environment, it would start to rot, it would start to go bad. So eating breakfast like a king, lunch like a queen, and tea or supper like a pauper. Now if you've got young men who are working physically hard all day, their evening meal might be a bowl of thick soup or it might be a, a smoothie. But for people that aren't working really physically hard, and especially people trying to lose a bit of weight, they're better to go maybe just a, uh, a herb tea, or maybe just a, um, a light soup. You will sleep better if your stomach is allowed to sleep too. And number seven, hydration. We lose water every night. I don't know if you've ever slept on a mattress on the floor and when you wake up in the morning and you lift the mattress, you notice it's all damp because we lose moisture every night. The most dehydrated time of the whole day is when we wake up in the morning. I say to my grandchildren when they stay, have you watered your garden yet? It's their garden down there. Sometimes they come out and say, Grandma, we've watered our garden. I say, great, it's ready for breakfast. 
it's ready for breakfast. I try to always have water next to my bed. If I wake in the night, I have a few sips. You just have it always with you. When you are well hydrated, you will sleep better. Now, I drink most of my water in the earlier part of the day. Some people can drink 16 ounces of water before they go to bed and sleep for eight hours. I can't. <laughs> if I eat that much water, I have to get up a couple of times. I learned a few years ago not to have watermelon for tea too. It was such a beautiful watermelon. I had several slices. I think I got up six times then. <laughs> and yet some people don't. You've got to get knowing what you can do. So I try and have probably only about two glasses of water in the afternoon before I go to bed and then I can usually sleep the whole night. Something that keeps most people awake. Most people that can't sleep worry. Have you heard of the chat room? My brain tends to go into the chat room if I wake in the night. Now what am I going to do about this? Now I'll do, 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 do and I'll solve this. I'm a problem solver. I'm always trying to solve. Do, 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 do. And if you stay in the chat room, you'll never go to sleep. So how do you get out of the chat room? Well, there's lots of things you can do to get out of the chat room. You can um, hum, hum hymns, uh, songs. You can, uh, what I do is I recite Bible verses. I've memorized some whole chapters. So I've memorized chapter one, James chapter one, and there's about 27 verses there. I don't have a great memory. This took me about six months to do that one. But I've done it in, it's really in cement now, so I can, easily related so I start going through that and do you know that I get to the third verse and my brain tries to jump into the chat room and pull it back pull it back pull it back there's your prefrontal cortex pull it back and I get to the sixth verses trying to jump into the chat room again and I pull it back <laughs> I pull it back I see the prefrontal cortex like the reins well pull that horse back pull it back pull those emotions thoughts and feelings back and then in the morning when I wake up, I think, now what verse did I get to? I usually get to verse 13. <laughs> then I remember no more. Or you can start at 50 and count backwards. And if that's not long enough, you could start at 100 and count backwards. So it's just getting your mind out of the chat room. Because if you stay in that chat room, it's very hard to go back to sleep. So the eighth law is trusting God. Now I gave you a principle in the last in the last presentation, safeguarding against depression. It's called In Everything Give Thanks. And I read a book on the science of sleep by Adriana Huffington. I'm ever reading books on how I can know more about these eight laws. Because in the little book Ministry of Healing, Ellen White says, these are the true remedies. And after helping people for over 40 years in these areas, I find it to be absolutely true. They are the true remedies. So I'm always wanting to know why they are the true remedies. So I'm ever reading books to find out more and more. And Adriana Huffington says, if you can't sleep, you lie there and you think of all the things to be thankful for. And I was helping a man when I was in Bermuda who was having trouble with sleep. 
And I said to him, I want you to lie in bed and thank God. He said, what for? I said, thank him you're in a comfortable bed and you're not in a concentration camp. Thank God that you're not in a work camp in Siberia. Thank God that you're not outside in a ditch trying to sleep and it's raining. Thank God you've got a comfortable bed. Thank God you've got a beautiful wife. Thank God you've got great kids. One lady said, I can't think of anything to thank God for. And I said, well, I noticed you've got two legs that work. I noticed you've got two eyes that see. Go blindfold for a day. And just, you'll be very grateful for your eyes. <laughs> There's always something to be thankful for. Remember, happiness isn't dependent on things. Happiness is a choice. And that's why the Bible says, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. So when you can't sleep, say, thank you, Father. Thank you that I can't sleep because now I can talk to you. There are two things that will stop sleep. Getting into the chat room. We all know the chat room. And also, uh, looking at your phone. 80% of people in America sleep with their phone. The phone should not be in the bedroom. It should be out of the bedroom. Even if you're on call, put it in the hallway, you'll wake up. So it's not only the electromagnetic field that's affecting you, but there's a temptation, if you can't sleep, to look at your messages. Yeah? It's a temptation for me because Australia, uh, Australia's awake when I'm asleep. So in the middle of the night, Australia's awake. <laughs> but I will not. In the sunlight, there is blue light. And the blue light is absorbed through a little receptor site on our retina called melanopsin. And when blue light from the sunlight is absorbed through our eyes to our brain, it increases our ability to solve mathematical problems. It increases our, um, our ability to assess things, all because our eyes through the day have sunlight. And the blue light comes from the sunlight. The technology, the screens, whether they be iPad, whether they be computer, whether they be the phones, there is a blue light that comes out. Now it's a different frequency to sunlight. But in the middle of the night, if you look at your phone, there's enough blue light going in there to say to your brain, daytime, wake up. Because it's right here. Whereas when you watch a screen like a television, your brain already knows it's dark and you're watching. So it doesn't mean that I'm, I'm saying you can watch television till late at night. Ever tried to watch something exciting and then go to sleep? <laughs> there must be a time of winding down, winding down, especially that hour before you go to sleep. That's why a great thing to do if you can't sleep is just put a soft light on and read. Don't get an exciting book. Maybe the life habits of the Australian platypus or something. That can get you out of the chat room too, reading. So the two things that will stop sleep are the chat room. And often in the chat room, that's when you worry. Yeah, That's when you get stressed about things. So get out of the chat room. And also, don't, don't, don't allow your eyes to look at the phone. Because when, when they do, 
the message comes through to the brain, daytime wake up. So you can rewire your brain and you can get your brain back into the eight hours of sleep a night by adhering to those laws and getting out of the chat room. So when Dr. Matthew Walker wrote his article on good study habits, he didn't quite go into the detail in some of the areas I have, but he was basically saying, be well hydrated, have eight hours sleep, have, have, a, have a nourishing food diet, fresh air, keep the window open, stop all the stimulants. So it was very similar to the laws. And he also advised that in the university, they try and only have an exam, say, every two days, space them out again. Well, the university never asked him to write that article again. That's a pity, isn't it? Because he was being critical of this cramming, too many exams altogether. I don't really agree with the exam system of testing. When I did my nutrition course, it was all assignments. And I really like that type because you study the, you study the paper that you're gonna present and you've got information here and information here, information there, then you bring it all together. And by the time you've actually submitted your assignment, you've, you've read the whole thing probably 50 times. And that repetition deepens the impression and repetition is the mother of retention. But the cramming in for an exam, it's not a really effective way, is it? So now you know why we need to sleep. Sleep's important. Sleep was given us from God to revive and restore the brain and the body while we sleep. Healing happens at twice the weight while we're sleeping, especially in those hours. Are there any questions before we close? Yes. Eat and then walk or walk before you eat in the morning? It's better to walk in the, in the morning, do your exercise before you eat, because a huge amount of energy goes to digestion. So if you do, I mean a gentle walk after, after you've eaten is fine, but if you're going to do the high intensity interval training and running up and down hills, a huge amount of energy is going to be pulled to your legs to get you up the hill and the stomach's going to protest because a huge amount of energy goes to digestion. And that's why we've always been told don't swim straight after a meal, you'll get a cramp because the same thing, when you dive into water, a lot of blood is rushed to the skin because of hitting the cold water and it's drawn away from the stomach. And so it is far better to do the intense physical exercise before you eat. And how long do you exercise? Um, I'm going to define that tomorrow night when I look at heart health and diabetes, but I do 15 minutes because I do the high intensity interval training, which are intervals of high intensity, intervals of recovery, intervals of high intensity and recovery. And because you're doing it so intensely, you can do it all in 15 minutes. Isn't that good news? Yes.
What about chocolate? There's not much chocolate. I mean, there's not much caffeine in one little square. But the problem is that um, cocoa is so bitter, it requires an enormous amount of sugar to go in there. And the majority of chocolates have uh, dairy in them, so it's really not a good food. But I do meet ladies that come to our retreat who eat a whole block. Well, there's a fair bit of caffeine in a whole block of chocolate. So the, probably the highest uh, caffeine foods would be, or drinks would be your, your uh, coffees, your uh, the V drinks, the Coca-Colas, Red Bulls, things like that. Okay, and also um, about the phones, what about in airplane mode? It is true on airplane mode, you haven't got the frequencies going out, but it still should be away from the body because even on airplane mode, you, you still have some coming out. Okay, thanks. Is, is supplementation with um, uh, is melatonin beneficial or harmful? Is supplementation with melatonin beneficial or harmful? I don't advise supplementing with melatonin because um, it hasn't been used long enough to know the full effects. But if someone is really struggling with sleep and the melatonin is helping them, I don't tell them to stop. I say, well, it is helping you, so that is good. But what you could do is you could try a few other things and alternate it so the body doesn't get so dependent on it. And when you keep putting something into the body that the body makes, the body can make less of it, which is what you don't want. So there is a, another herb that's a mild tranquilizer, a mild sedative, and it's valerian. And I have spoken to some people that have said that's been really good. For people that really struggle with sleep, something like valerian, melatonin, they can get the body back into the habit of sleeping. Thank you. So what about the uh, theory that the hours before midnight are worth two? Yeah. Well, the hours before midnight are worth two after, and I think the pineal gland secretions show that. So if you have eight hours from 10, so from midnight till 8 a.m., you're missing out on half of your uh, pineal gland secretions and you're also missing out on some of the cleaning in the courier system. So those hours before midnight are very important. That is true. So uh, herbal teas, as long as they're decaffeinated, are, are okay? Sure, sure, yeah. How about uh, uh, naturally decaffeinated coffee, not, not the chemical process? Uh, in his book, um, Caffeine Blues, the author shows that there can still be some dangers there. I guess you could have your decaffeinated coffee for a week and then stop it for a week and just see if there's any reaction. So I 
have a family member with fibromyalgia and they sleep around the clock multiple, multiple, multiple hours. And I know it's because their body's just out of, out of whack, but how do you get something, someone like that into a normal sleep pattern? They're sleeping day and night off and on. Yeah, um, they can get into a normal sleeping pattern. See, when, when I come from Australia to America, the first day, by 10 in the morning, I'm just wanting to sleep. But I do not let myself. I jump up and I start to do a whole lot of things. And I speak to people who suffer from jet lag for weeks. Because as soon as they get tired in the day, they go to sleep. So it would be a similar thing with this is that there's a, a discipline needs to happen is don't let yourself sleep. If you're feeling tired, uh, have a shower, go for a walk, <laughs> do your garden, do something, but don't let yourself sleep. So if, if that person wants to, they will be able to get back into a better routine. your sleep, the circadian, you're really off, do you recommend just cold turkey starting, or cold veggie meat, <laughs> um, starting the right pattern, or is it in, better to do incremental well, doses? Well, it depends on the person, but for some people who go to bed at midnight, um, the first week they'll go to bed at 11, and then the next, while, that next week they'll try 10, and then the next, so it, you have to work with what what the person can do and is comfortable f to do. And then the last question is, well, this is amazing, but then there's all this health, are these healthcare workers that people go to for care and they've been, they've got the night shift, so they're not yeah. very, their brain isn't very well, awake to help these people that come for help. That, that, is, that is true, that, um, and Dr. Matthew Walker shows that there are more accidents from sleep deprivation than alcohol. And that's not lessening the accidents that happen because of alcohol. But he shows that when someone's drunk, there's a bit of a reaction, but when someone falls asleep at the wheel, there's no reaction. And he cites that to show that, you know, th this is a huge problem, people falling asleep because they're not getting enough sleep. Right. I was mentioned, well, I was, um, I meant to say the healthcare workers that are in hospitals or such. That's right. And um, someone has to do night duty. <laughs> so I say to people that do night duties, do as little as possible. And um, definitely when, you, when your days are off, you know, go into the early nights. And what some people find is that when they get home from night duty, they won't have anything to eat, they'll go straight to bed and they'll sleep four hours. And then they might wake up at 10 or 11 and then they'll uh, exercise, have a hearty meal, and they'll stay awake till um, maybe later in the afternoon, maybe till five o'clock, and then they'll have another, depending on when they start, a lot of night duties as nurses will start at 11. That's when I used to start. And then they'll have another four hours then. So. A lot of them find those two bits of four hours where they're getting a little bit of the morning and a little bit of the night. 
and exercising in the day can help them get, a, get through those periods of night duty. Yeah, I was wondering, uh, is there any correlation with insomnia and like blue light or smart TVs or um, like a smart meter? Ah, uh, yes, the electromagnetic field coming from the smart meter certainly has an effect. Again, call the silent killer, so it's hard, it's hard to put the finger on it, but I have read of reports where it ha people's sleep has been interfered with once the smart meter's put on their phone. That is true. <laughs> well, that must be all. I think everyone's dying to get to bed, eh? Thank you, Barbara, that was well put. And I, I've learned a lot tonight and so grateful for her ministry. Well, we, we do need to get going, get to bed on time and, and implement some of these, um, the principles that we are learning. So let me ask you to stand and we're gonna have a word of prayer before we are dismissed. Father in heaven, we are so thankful for the opportunity to, to learn. You have gifted uh, Barbara O'Neill with experience and knowledge and the ability to share in a way that is understandable, in a way that, that truly can motivate us to implement these wonderful principles into our lives. And so grant us not only uh, to, to retain this information and learn and understand, but Lord, give us the, the, the courage, the tenacity to implement this program into our lives so that we can honor you by the way we live and, and, and the way our bodies function. Tonight, Lord, we ask for your blessing as we head home and, and, and as we sleep tonight and, and uh, tomorrow work and then the opportunity to once again return to the next presentation so bless us and keep us make your face to shine upon us and grant us your peace in jesus name amen good night everyone <laughs>